Greetings, everybody. This is David Avocado-Wolf, and we are gearing up for the Longevity Now Conference coming up April 6th through 8th, 2018. And we are going to have some incredible speakers at our conference. It's going to be – it's a big one, and it'll be our, our – Maybe our last one. I don't know. We'll see what's going to happen. We've done so many of these over the years. Might be time to take a break. We've got William Davis coming. Uh, obviously, I'll be there. Nadine Artemis, John Gray, Dr. Joel Furman, um, Dr. Billy DeMoss, Jason Rebell is going to be doing recipes. Ross Sola is going to be doing recipes. Of course, our wonderful MC Rebecca Gothier will be there, and our other MC Len Foley will be there. It's going to be an event to remember. But there is one speaker that I have not mentioned who is with me right now on this call, and I think you're going to enjoy what she has to say. And I think I'm going to driver to, to to some statement that I've never heard her say in any interview. So if you love this woman, I think you're going to really love this interview. Danielle Laporte is joining us. I guess with no further ado, I want to introduce this incredible person. She's the author of White Hot Truth, and she's white hot right now. She's done many other books. The Desire Map is one I want to talk to her about. And she's been named one of the top 100 websites for women on her site, DanielleLaporte.com. It's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, La, L-A, Ports, P-O-R-T-E, dot com. And as I mentioned, she is a poet and a speaker and a painter and a former business strategist and a Washington, D.C. think tank exec. Entrepreneur Magazine called her equal parts poet and entrepreneurial badass, edgy, contrarian, loving, and inspired. She lives in Vancouver. She looks like she's from Ontario. We're going to talk about that. Welcome, Danielle Laporte. Pleasure to meet you. I'm David Avocado-Wolf. Thank you for joining me. Hi. Hi, everybody. So what do people from Ontario look like? Well, you know, there's that the gene pool that came from the original settlers of Montreal. And it, it, it's, it's a striking um, eyebrows and facial features and eyes. And you have it. Yeah. You have that look. And I, I'm guessing you're from Ontario originally. Am I correct or is it Quebec? You are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Windsor, Ontario, which is right across from Detroit, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Windsor, much safer town than Detroit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Canada, I think mean, we're just all nice, just on the whole, nice, kind, and overly polite. Yes, very uh, beautiful. I, I eventually migrated my way to Ontario. That's how I know all this stuff. I love Ontario and just love the, the wild forests and resources of Ontario. What an amazing place to be and love the city of Toronto. What do you like better, Vancouver or Toronto? Oh, Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vancouver's home. Just like lush, progressive, West Coast rainforest. It's like, you know, I'm in a valley of light. I can look outside my window right now. I see, can see ski hills. I'm five minutes away from the ocean. Uh, workaholism <laughs> it's like it's not like the thing here uh, yeah everybody's lulled by the beauty so we're a little bit we're a little bit more laid back it's absolutely brilliant there in Vancouver beautiful city and wonderful to be there are you in North Vancouver are you near closer to Whistler or which direction which direction do you like are you closer to the border I live in I live in a district called East Van. Everybody just referred East. You know, I live I live in I live in East Van off the Drive. So it's like the old Italian district that got hippified and now it's more gentrified and like it's still a little bit rough. Okay, it's, nice. I I love that whole area. Tell us a little bit about what's going on for you right now. I've been seeing that you've been promoting your white hot book. Tell us about that and what's got you inspired right now and what what are you going to be talking to us about at the Longevity Conference? Well, two different tracks. So White Hot Truth is really about my curiosity around self-help, 
crossing that line and and becoming self-criticism. It's really a manifesto about discernment and becoming your own guru and the ironic sort of uh, repetition that so many of us get ourselves in where we want to learn how to hear ourselves more deeply, really get in touch with our self-agency, but the whole motivational track has us looking everywhere outside of ourselves, whether you know, you get a psychic reading or it's your astrologer or it's your life coach and your business coach. And, you know, when I had a life coach, I also had a business coach. I also had a therapist. <laughs> and then I was meeting with my shaman on Skype. <laughs> and, you know, my revelation around that was I had to ask myself if all the things I was doing to be well were really making me well. And I went on what I now call a self-help fast. So last year when I was doing my gigs, I would stand up and say, okay, let's run this like it's an addiction meeting. My name is Danielle. And I just, Hello, Danielle. Like, it, was, it has been nine months since I had any kind of psychic reading or therapy. And the result of that is a lot more spaciousness, you know, and that inner peace that we're doing all those things to move towards came to me from stopping moving towards all of those things. Let's so talk about that a little bit. Quite I think yeah. that's a, it's, yeah. it's a really good subject, and it's. I was just writing about it the other day, so I want to dig into it. By the way, if you're just joining us, I'm David Avocado Wolf. I am joined by a superstar, Danielle Laporte, who's going to be joining us at the Longevity Conference, the longevitynowconference.com. The link should be on this page somewhere. Join us there. Always show up to an event in person and find the sats on your community of like-minded people very powerful way to meet people, friends, and otherwise, maybe even love connections. Anyway, back to this, self-responsibility, self-awareness, intuition, insight. This system that we live in basically says, you don't know, we know better than you do about yourself. I and mean, that's kind of what I get from, you know, from it all. Tell us about that. Like, act, like getting back in touch with what's inside and going, hey, Maybe I do know, and maybe I know what's right for me. Well, I think it's easy for everybody to understand that education is broken, that when we get into the system when we're really young, we're trained that there's a right answer and a wrong answer, that if we perform a certain way, we're going to be loved, essentially. We're going to get the rewards of really what's conformity. So jump cut to, you've gone through that system, and jump cut, to being in this wellness space, you want to think positively, you, you want to make a contribution, you know, you're attracted to like a holistic way of being. But in some ways, that water that we're swimming in isn't any different than some of that poisonous thinking from when we were younger. And part of it has to do with the commercialization of spirituality. And I'm, I'm in this space, right? It's like, I have some authority because I have a blog. I care how many Facebook followers I have. Instagram is the center of my world. But we have to, it all goes back to discernment. And my observation and my experience is, it's this prodigal journey with our spirituality. We're all going to leave home. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take the overpriced workshop that we didn't need. We're going to fall for the guru who really wasn't walking his or own talk. We're going to find that creepy Tantra teacher who really isn't tapped into the purity of what Tantra is supposed to be like. And we're going to have that painful 
wake up call as you can label as any kind of initiation as you want to get us back into facing ourselves. And when you get back into that place and realize discernment, sometimes lack of trust is a great thing. I have, you know, really my motto of moving through life is like have an open heart, but a big fence. And when you get there, there's some withdrawals. Like we're so entranced in the right answer that's going to get us ahead, the right yoga posture that's going to make our yoga teacher happy, whatever it is, the right supplement. I mean, we're all in this space. You go through withdrawals and you think, can I decide to break up or sign the contract or move forward without external input? And you sweat a bit. And, you know, at this point, my, like the depth of my wisdom is it's 50, 50, (laughs) it's 50, 50. So why don't you, save your time, save your money, save your energy, keep yourself clean and clear and centered and be as self-referencing as possible and make your choices from there. Because whether you're following your own advice or somebody else's, your chances of succeeding, of it working out, of it not working out, 50-50, anything could happen in life. But so much more peace comes from really standing in your own power. This thing about self-responsibility is such a big part of healing and health in general. Mm-hmm. Almost every situation I have, have ever observed, somebody's in a bad situation, they've got a bad diagnosis, and they just flip their power over to somebody else, and then two years yeah. later, they're gone. Um, I've seen that pattern over and over again. And unfortunately, yeah. we have a system. This and The system that we have is called, the way I like to call it, and I want to get your take on this, it's scientism. It's basically these people studied nine years in this university and they got this medical degree and they know better than you and they know everything. You don't know nothing. They don't have to, you know, look at, you know, if they tell you it's it's the way it is, you don't look on the internet. They know this kind of business is still people are falling for it. Hardcore. Um, Obviously this audience is a little bit different. You know, my audience is is like, Whoa, wait a second. I'm going to think for myself. I'm just going to accept what, you know, whoever the doctor, the surgeon, the dentist, whatever says, um, I have purposely, by the way, never listened to the dentist ever um, since since they you know screwed up my teeth when I was 14 years old. That was the end of dentistry for me, and I've been better off for it, I have to say. So I have some legit long-term proof that not listening to the experts sometimes is is actually better. But then, in some cases, if there if the person is outside the system and they're an innovator, I will listen to them, and I do get good advice. But I find that the, any kind of structure, the old bureaucracy, the old university guard, it's just antiquated and, and done for. It, it, it didn't advance past the Internet, so I don't listen to it anymore. So can we segment it like that? Can we say, hey, you know, listen to some people but not others? Because I kind of, you know, if somebody's an innovator, I will take their, their advice to heart. It, it doesn't mean that I'm going to turn my power over to them, but I'm going to listen to that opinion. Two things to that. I mean, what you're talking about, scientism, it's that kind of ism, that structure that's blind, those kind of structures exist everywhere, and it all leads back to greed. So it's all the commercialization of things that are supposed to be good for you. And when you commercialize things that are supposed to be good for you, somehow the system is going to be corrupt at some point in time. Now, so so there's that. So do we live, is it about, on the whole, not listening to Western doctors? No, it's about being centered enough and clear-minded enough, and there's all sorts of ways to create that kind of clarity and strength that when a doctor tells you what's going on, 
you use your body and your own intuition as a filter to know what's right and what's wrong. And you know when to walk away. Because there's there's just as many there's just as many holistic people who will have the wrong answer and the wrong diagnosis and the wrong path for you. It's like, you know, where I'm at in my, uh, my wellness, I just on the other side of having mono that I've dealt with for six months, I went to six doctors. I went to three homeopaths. I talked to a guru. I highly respect is still at the end of the day, I had to make my own decisions. I mean, I'm standing in my kitchen with all of my various supplements, my homeopathics in front of me, and I know that some of them are working and some of them aren't. But I really trust and adore and respect the person who's given me all of those things. It's still up to me in my kitchen every day to ask my body if this is the right thing for me on that day. And another like sort of layer in that awareness has been, you know, I learned to hear when different people are right and wrong. And I've also learned that what I need on any given day for my wellness might change. That, you know, the answer might have been this tincture yesterday. Today it's a little less of that or it's a little more of that. And and that awareness, that comes from discipline. And that comes from devotion. And that's really what spiritual and wellness practice is about, is cultivating that kind of clarity to be constantly filtering and asking and checking in. But, you know, basic some, question. Some, some self-love in <laughs> there too, Follow right? the money. Don't you agree? So, I mean, What's some that? self-love in there as well. Self-love, right? Oh, that's that's going to help you to go, yeah, I love myself and I, and I know. And, and I, I'll take someone else's opinion and take it to heart. But ultimately, it's up to me. Um, that, uh, to me, I find that it's just it's a self love thing too. You know, self responsibility and self love go together. Do you feel that way? Yeah. No, uh, deeply. I mean, that's really that's the anthem of white hot truth. That the best self help is self compassion, and you have to take care of yourself like you would take care of a child that you're completely committed to. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. You go the I distance like for yourself. You will advocate. You will make the appointment. You will cancel the appointment. Both of those actions come from total self-respect and compassion. It, let me let me ask you about the desire map and goal setting. I've been in goal setting for thirty since nineteen eighty-four. Where are we at? So it's like thirty-five years, thirty-four years. Over the years, I found that I set the goal, but I don't I don't overmanage it so that it's like I I push away the thing that could bring the goal to light. But at the same time, I found out that the goals change from things and places and I want to write this book or go to this place to more ways of being. Like I mm-hmm. effervesce with radiance and joy. I have the best day ever. I, I feel ecstasy through my body every day, all day long. You know, whatever, you know, whatever those kind of things. It's a way of being that is really what the goal is about anyway. How do you feel about that? What's your take on that after all this work on goals? <laughs> I'm down. I wrote a book about that. Yes, that's it. Like, it's not about my my theory is this that we're programmed to go achieve things that are outside of ourselves. And really, doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's what you're eating and putting into your body or the job you're going after. Really, really, it's about how you think you're going to feel when you reach the goal, the goal you think you should yeah. have. Yeah. So why don't you get clear on those feelings? Like it sounds to me like your journey was you know, you probably had external stuff, a little bit disconnected from 
feelings, emotion, the heart, and then you then you you come around for a circle to like really the goal is to be effervescent, to be in touch with the ecstasy, and that's my point. I call those core desired feelings. I think if you get clear on those first, and then your bucket list, your to do list, your quarterly objectives, whatever it is, become an offshoot of that. Like everything is in. Um, is in service to creating those things. So that's how I design my life. I'm clear on a handful, like four or five core desired feelings that I want. And pretty much every day I'm asking myself, what am I going to do today to generate that feeling? And yeah, the, I mean, the irony is I'm not that goal oriented. Like, of course there's things I want and there's, you know, there's targets I want to hit stuff I want to nail, but, I want to feel a certain way every day. Yeah, but I would take from what you're saying because your goal, you're actually, your goal has become a way of being. I think you are goal-oriented. It's just not like person, place, and thing kind of a goal, you know? It's more like... Yeah, the, it's the, the achievement is very inward. Yes. Yeah, yes. And and that's that's what I sense in you. And that's I sense that when people have been goal-setting for long periods of time that they, they arrive there, and I feel like you've arrived there can you share with us, would you be willing to share with us some of those feelings that you, those three that you want to feel every day? What are those things that come up at the top of your list, if you're willing to share? Uh, yeah, always. Um, one of my current core desired feelings, this is a new one, actually, uh, is I want to feel radiant vitality. And, you know, these are all really thoughtful words. It's like, I was like, is it is it just about feeling light? Is it about feeling energized? No, I was like, I want to glow with prana from the inside in, out from a, in a way that carries me throughout my life. So I want to feel uh, radiant vitality. Um, I want to feel team. Team is one of my core desired feelings. So whether it's like romantic partnership or with my company team or it's with my kid, I want to be on the same page going towards the same thing. So team is one. And love Love. I want to. I want to see with love, and I want to act with love, and yeah, I want it all through my life. And then there's one that I never tell anybody, and bliss often shows up. Yeah, bliss has been a recent one as well. So you know, what do I need to do to feel that and to be that on a regular basis? And that helps me make decisions. Like, okay, one of my core desired feelings is I want to feel team all right, it's time to hire a new culture coach and build some some new strengths and some new practices for the team. Great, we started that in January. I want to feel team with my kid. All right, let's do some kind of journaling exercise together or we're going to plan, you know, right now it's about planning March break together. He's got some some things he wants to do. We're going to map it out. So, yeah, the the feeling runs through the ambition. Let me let me ask you about the the troubles of our world, and yeah. me, you know you're intimately aware of the troubles of our world. It appears, and you know one of the things that eventually I came came across was the teachings of Rudolf Steiner about evil, and that evil mm-hmm. is parasitic. Like greed's parasitic, right? Um, what else is parasitic? I mean, when something takes doesn't give back, that you, you're, I kind of correlate that to evil. That's kind of what Rudolf Steiner came to the conclusion of. Do you believe that evil is real and that this is really the, the problem here on, on our earth is that somehow evil is kind of taken over and whether it's in the form of bureaucracies that, you know, are forcing you to not 
you know, basically teaching us and then eventually forcing us to be railroaded down their system. Um, to me, I look at that and I go, this is antiquated, it's evil. And I, and I see evil in a different way now instead of like us and them. It's kind of like when, when somebody gets into parasitic behavior, like governments do get into parasitic behavior often. Take, 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 take more taxes, more charges, more this, more that, more control. Then they tend towards evil. What's your take on that? God, this is a great one. <laughs> uh, yes, I believe evil, evil is real. But it, you, you, to have that conversation, you need to define what it is. Um, I do not think evil is running things. I don't think it's in charge. But I do think that we are in a battle of light versus dark right now. And by dark, I mean density. And I'm, I am down with Steiner's definition of evil and how, you know, that parasitic behavior, evil needs fear to thrive. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like a lot of illness needs sugar, you know? Yeah. And it, it needs a host. And for you to be impervious to evil you, or, or darkness, density, you have to fill yourself with light. And there's lots of ways that fall under the umbrella of mysticism and self-help and good eating for you to fill yourself with light so that you cannot be a host. You won't fall prey to predators. You're not going to be a fool for the bullshit. And more than just being protected, you know, if you make some lifestyle choices that are about light and clarity and consciousness, then, you know, you become a light worker and you can actually bring light to where there's darkness. And I think to disregard that, I mean, you know, this is my opinion, but to, to think otherwise is naive. And this is one of the fallings, the shortcomings, let's say, of hyper-positive thinking, reality-denying, mm-hmm. Sacrosanct mm-hmm. New Age teaching, <laughs> yep. and it's not doing any of us any favors. I mean, <laughs> you know, and you can still be a being of consciousness, and you can still have every intention to create love and even harmony. So difficult, harmony is one of the most, you know, it's one of the highest callings to try and move towards that without taking any shit. I mean, we're here to clean this up without being walked on. I'm, you know, I would say I'm 80% a pacifist, but if I have to, I will fight for what is my version of right. You've got to be on the right side of the light. But yes, I yeah, it's, I know it so to be true in my life. It's a, it's a middle path. It's interesting because Rudolf Steiner said on the one side, we have density, which is the materialism, the scientism, the that, you know, that there's absolute facts in the universe instead of probabilities. You know, even when the whole thing of quantum physics came along, scientism just kind of was like, well, there's still facts. Um, and there's still things you can't change, you know. And, and you know, that's, that leads us into the doomsday reports of doctors and, you know, all the other, the pharmaceutical industry, all that stuff. But the other side, which is kind of the new age kind of falls into and falls into that trap, is what Rudolf Steiner, and Rudolf Steiner called the materialistic side aromonic. He called the the other side, the woo-woo spiritual, oh, it's all positive thinking, you know, they're, they're taking your couch, but don't worry about it. Um, he called that luciferic, which, and, which is a disintegrative parasitic energy, which is where you, you go, the physical body doesn't matter, nothing matters here. Um, you know, it's just all woo-woo spiritual. And then in that case, that tends towards a parasitic energy and eventually 
that can be a trap as well. So he, he recommended the middle path, which he calls the path of the cosmic Christ. Um, and I've been looking at yeah. this for a while, and, and definitely, yeah. you know, from my research on parasitology, there are, it, there's parasites that form um, calcium deposits in your body and appetite, which is not appetite as in eating, but appetite as in stone formations and crust mm -hmm. and shells. And then there are parasites that disintegrate, you know, they fall into the two patterns that Rudolf Steiner said. So I'm really right there with you. I think you're, I mean, your experience has kind of guided you to that. What, so what's going to be next then for you? Like, you know, as you go forward in that middle path of like, Hey, I'm going to fight for what's right. We're not just going to go, Oh, it's all positive, positive thinking. Forget about, you know, we're being ripped off by, you know, whatever, whatever taxes or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. What's, what is going to, where are you going to go from white hot truth? What's going to come next? To have more of these conversations. Um, <laughs> you know, mostly who shows up for me are women with a sophisticated lens on personal development. They've done a lot of work and they know what doesn't work and they know what does work for them. And they are, they're aching to make a difference. Not always sure how, and they're aching to connect. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. You're, you're talking about the longevity conference and satsang and coming to be in community. That is almost this raging need I see right now in so many people. I mean, we, we now our iPhones have been around long enough and, you know, pervasive tech technology has, has been pervasive long enough that we can now see the effects of it. Right. It's like, what are we in two generations to like really solidly two generations into handheld devices. And we're, we're seeing how, you know, the dopamine addiction and the rush and all of that. I'm interested in conversations around connection I, you know, I'm going to launch something later this year that's got a handful of intentions that if I can get people to the other side of this in like a year, then I will, can die happy. One has to do with getting into right relationship with technology. And that's nice. from, you know, your relationship with your phone to, you know, the simple things of like, put your fucking phone away at dinner <laughs> to having bigger <laughs> conversations about transhumanism and what's happening with Amazon and things that we should be really, really concerned about. <laughs> um, nice. That's a whole Good. other podcast. It has to do with devotion where, you know, and you've used the word responsibility a lot in this conversation, self-responsibility, where I think, again, a lot of us in this wellness space, we talk a good talk because, and, 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 and I don't mean that in like the worst it's not necessarily negative. I think we talk a good talk about being committed to growth and spirituality because we really, truly, from the center of our center, we want to do the right thing. But backing that up is not easy. Devotion to a spiritual path to making the world a better place is a higher calling. And it's just not all rainbows. So I really want people to really check themselves with their level of commitment and deeper their commitment to whatever they call their faces. And then I think there's, there's lots of work to be done around conscious consumption. Doesn't mean everybody has to be minimalist and not have any art on their walls, but let's really examine how we spend. Um, and then, you know, as you know, so well, the, the whole conversation around food production, which for me, I would, I just put a broader umbrella on that and call it nutrition awareness. And that's everything from, you know, looking from looking for hidden sugars and the stuff that you're buying 
to examining, I, th- I think what I'm going to call for now wellness privilege, which I'm, I've been really aware of in my life in this last year of like having to really up my game in terms of healing. And yeah, so it's, you know, there's on one hand, I want us to all look at, look more deeply about how we're being well in our own lives. But if what you're doing to be well doesn't include other people, if other people don't have access to that, we've got some problems. And so I'm really interested in work and conversations right now with around your wellness being your activism, really. That you being well is counterculture and that your wellness has to include other people. I can't, it's, it's not okay for me that I can afford to drink $10 a bottle green juice and make my celery every morning in my $600 whiz bang um, but that there are food deserts that exist in in middle America and my own province where people, you know, they got fucking Fruit Loops to choose from at the grocery store. And I'm going to get on my wellness platform and talk about an anti-inflammatory diet and being a more conscious person. It's not that easy for everybody. So, so part of it, part of my work has to be doing what I can to make it easier for other people. Nice. Love that. Um, you mentioned about um, inculcating and dr- building up the light within. What are the, some of your favorite practices for building up the light inside? Give us a few, a few on a list that, that you love. Meditation, 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 meditation. Some form of stillness, of contemplation in your life. In level one is you are just rinsing the debris out of your psyche. If even if just paying attention to self-talk for four minutes as you breathe, that's good. That's a start. And then there's going much more deeply and working with yourself on a cellular level and connecting to whatever it is you call God. You just, you want to be awake, you need to sit and, 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 and actively work with the light. I mean, my meditation practice is very literal when it comes to working with light. Um, gratitude. There's a reason why everybody talks about the science of gratitude, the science and the art. It actually affects your brain chemistry. It is a spiritual practice. So that is a big one in my life and relationships. I mean, talk about the, you know, the best dopamine hit there is, is human connection. For me, it's a practice. You know, my girlfriends are a religion for me. Texting, <laughs> texting the girls is a form of spirituality and really making quality relationships a priority in your life. It's, it's relationships maybe over a promotion. It's relationships over maybe renovating your house or getting new carpet. It's choosing the humans in your life over the stuff. But give us a quick sneak peek in a minute or two about what's going to happen there. What, what is your plan for the longevity conference? Well, all this and more. I'll tell you why I'm stoked about the longevity conference is for me, this is tribe. You know, it's, it's women and men who want to wake up uh, to be well and to share their wellness. So there's lots to talk about. With me, there's always some spoken word involved. I I preach hard at the beginning about what I'm on about. I mean, right now it's 
a lot to do with boundaries and core desired feelings and your wellness as activism. And then it's open Q&A, which is really where the magic happens. And it's like spiritual improv. People can just yell concept. They can shout. Don't yell at me, but you can shout. Um, everything from, you know, writer's block, creativity, wellness, activism. And I'm just like, all right, let's riff on that. And then we go. And then there's lots of hugs. Nice. We're going to have a, a, an incredible event. For all of you who are listening right now, I'm David Avocado. We'll be listening to Danielle Laporte. She is a titan in her own right, great author, great speaker, and thanks for joining us at the Longevity Conference. We are going to be at the Anaheim Hilton in Southern California, right there next to Disneyland for this event, April 6th through the 8th, the Longevity Now Conference, all four of those words together, .com, and Danielle Laporte will be speaking to us about what lights up her soul, and we've heard a lot of it here on this conversation. Any last parting words, Danielle? Excited to be there. Uh, I think this is what I would say. If you're coming to the conference, come to the conference because it's, it's going to be a good time. I would ask, like, where do you feel, where do you feel, where's the relationship between wellness and rebellion in your own life? Like, what do you have to work against in order to be a stand for your wellness? Wow. Yeah, think about that. That's very, that's, I like thinking about that. That was good. Um, this, this is going to be a uh, great way to start off springtime for those of you who are coming from the Northern Hemisphere. We are going to have folks coming from Australia. We have folks coming in from all over the world, a couple thousand people joining us at the Longevity Now Conference in Southern California. We'll see you there. I'm signing off and wishing you, on behalf of both Danielle and I, the best day ever. <laughs>